Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hot Mess Express Variety Hour, aka uh, the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I have a really fun episode today. I had Lauren from the Zen Blonde on uh, the Zen Blonde podcast, TikTok, Instagram, general prolific internet presence. We started off by just sitting down and finally getting to like meet and record a podcast. And we ended with potentially making plans to go to Mongolia together someday. So <laughs> we had a pretty good time, <laughs> to say the least. So we ended up having a really good time just getting into some crazy stories from our past. We actually have a very weirdly similar background in that respect um, of just some like fun, cute ways we went off the deep end in our youth. Uh, (laughs) But if you're just here for the celebrity gossip, I'll put timestamps if uh, you want to skip ahead. But uh, before we get into today's episode, I just had to say that at one point this week, I realized that this podcast was number seven on the US entertainment news charts for podcasts and number six in Canada. It's a really big deal to me. I mean, it it may sound small, but the fact is this podcast is not in a network. Uh, It's just me and my overheating laptop troubleshooting issues uh, with with all the tech stuff by watching YouTube videos, you know. Uh, So I just want to say thank you for, for listening, for caring. Uh, it's been a real journey to figure out all the the back end side of things. But the fact that you guys encouraging me and also pointing out in the most loving and supportive way, uh, all the glitches with the audio is just I appreciate it so much like keep it coming. And some of you guys are so sweet. <laughs> I talked about some of the audio issues in the past. And, and you <laughs> some of you DM me on Instagram were like, I wanted to tell you but I didn't want to I didn't want to insult you. But I, everything's great. I'm like, you guys are too kind. But please let me know because that's the only way I'm going to get better. And speaking of audio issues. Uh, For some reason, the recording this week got completely scrambled and I spent six hours trying to fix it. Uh, So that's why this is out a day late. Sorry about that. Uh, I could also only take it so far. It's still a little tinny. I'm sorry about the quality. We'll be back and better than ever uh, like next week or actually tomorrow on the Patreon Um, and and so on and so forth. Anyhow, Antuka. So for the Patreon, last week we did a deep dive on Azalea Banks. This week I asked for what you guys wanted to hear and you resoundingly said John Mayer. So we are going to be doing a deep dive on John Mayer, aka ripping him to shreds. That will be up on Wednesday. The Patreon is now at $5. It was 7 before, but we reduced the price because we believe in delivering fresh, sustainable, organic tea to the masses. So for $5 US, you'll get an extra episode every week. And we get we get a little loose on the Patreon. We kind of 
to say things that uh, are a little, little better said behind a paywall if you catch my drift. For the music of the show, I wanted to give a shout out to an old friend of mine, Jacob Lassard. So he's a composer and he made the, the theme music and all the, the, the intro outro. And when I was asking him if he could make a tune for the podcast, I sent him some of my content and talked about kind of the vibe of everything. <laughs> he, and he asked if he should make it kind of like a deranged Mr. Rogers type of theme, which I was just like, perfect. Uh, he gets it. So his contact info is in the episode description if you need uh, a bop written for you. And so let's get into it. Uh, but first, if you're listening and enjoying it, unless you're driving, just pick up your phone. And if you could just give me a quick little five star review, that would really help that and follow me on Instagram. Those are the ways to secure the bag. I've been pretty open that that's the mission right now. First, I will be attaining the bag. That's the current step of this whole journey I'm on then I will be securing it. So also a content warning for today. It's a one word content warning, which is euphoria. So we talk about euphoria, anything euphoria related, which is pretty much everything under the sun is in this episode. So uh, (laughs) viewer discretion is advised. I mean, I think in general, it's safe to say either don't have your kids in the car when you're listening to my podcast or have some really good noise canceling headphones. (laughs) I'll leave that up to your discretion. Anyhow, without further ado, here's today's episode. All right, we're back with Lauren from the Zen Blonde podcast, TikTok, Instagram, just Zen Blonde Incorporated. (laughs) Zen Blonde Global, as you said before. Thank you so much for having me, Emily, my friend from up north. Oh my God. My friend from LA. In my mind, you're already like my really good friend. Like just because I like, I agree with your TikTok so much that I'm like, I feel like we're having this like two way thing. That's like really just me watching your TikToks and agreeing with you and being like, I like her. That's the funny thing is that, (laughs) is that like people have this parasocial relationship with the people that they're watching online, but then it's sort of like very meta and interesting when you both have that with each other. And then you're like, wait, we haven't actually hung out. But in my mind, we have. Absolutely. In my mind, it's like, I know everything about you. And it's so funny. Like I've had people I've had that with, and then I have met them in person and they become great friends. So it's, it's funny. Like, you know, I think TikTok is a very good vetting service for friendships because you kind of, everyone like lays it all out on TikTok. Yeah. You really get people's (laughs) vibe. Like there's a lot that you can conceal with photos, but when we're showing up like barefaced, you know, (laughs) with like our hoods up, just like (laughs) (laughs) looking rough, like that's it. That's, it doesn't get any more authentic than that. (laughs) I know Instagram models could never. Well, that's, I mean, that's the whole humor of it is that they're like short form video content's a new thing. So people now who've had just an aesthetic internet presence are trying to translate it. It's just, it's not, for a lot of people, it's not landing. It's like, sweetie, your pretty privilege is not going to work on TikTok unless you know how to dance. (laughs) Or you're just like, yeah, or you just like have a cool style, but like maybe shouldn't, (laughs) maybe should just like, it's seen and not heard. I don't know. (laughs) Totally. Like, I think there are definitely, there's room for people that are like just gorgeous, but don't have like the the personality X factor. And I I find with them, it's like, you know, typically like they, they post these amazing like daily vlogs or they're doing something with fashion. But then I think a lot of TikTok and a lot of what we like on TikTok is engaging with people who like make us laugh because to be honest, we've all, we've all needed a giggle in the past few years. (laughs) It's not like authentic when it's sort of that contrived, like, be your authentic self kind of thing. It's like, no, actually, this is me, like, on my couch in my pajamas. You know what? I, you know what I realized? Because somebody I 
know, like very peripherally was doing TikTok and like, they'd just gone through a breakup and like, I could tell that the TikToks were like, the guy's going to see it. Right. And I, I feel like if you're doing a TikTok for anything other than yourself and not caring what anyone thinks about you, it comes across in the TikTok if you're trying to like almost edit yourself in a way that isn't genuine. And then people just don't like your content. So hundred oh, percent. Uh, I mess up words all the time. And actually it's so funny. I did this like very viral Super Bowl video and I saw I, that. And you well, I saw I, you being like, what the fuck? Like what why is this going viral? I was like, why? Like why? Like the ones I like re- spent hours researching and then it's like I know every celebrity that was at the Super Bowl, even though I didn't watch it. And like, literally, I didn't know Julianne Huff's name was Julianne Huff. I've, for all these years, she's been Julianne Ho to me. Um, and like millions of people saw it. Like t- 10 million to be exact. And <laughs> and the thing is, like, you know, like I genuinely just thought that was her name. And I like... I had a friend that knew her. He was like going to parties with her. And like, I, I can't imagine that like during our friendship, like it didn't come up and I didn't say Julianne Ho and wasn't corrected. And the thing is, then I was like, no, this is the biggest conspiracy ever. Her last name is Ho. And then somebody in the comment section was like, no, O-U-G-H, like tough. It's like Julianne Huff. And that's, that's when I got out of like Julianne last name, QAnon, Kinergy vibes or Kingry, whatever she was doing. It was Kinergy. Yeah. Kinergy. I mean, she just resurfaced, uh, somehow like on the Patreon and we were like pulling up that video. Okay. Wait, I just, so going back to Julianne Huff, it's funny because as soon as you said Kinergy, I realized in my head, I was picturing Julianne Moore like the whole time. (laughs) And then as soon as you said Kinergy, it like clicked and I saw her like ri- writhing and moaning like and, and the like that creepy the like healer guy like pulling energy out of her butt. And, like, the exorcism. Yeah, I think we have we all watched that video like 200 times. At least, at least, <laughs> at least. I mean, honestly, if she was like, if she was trolling all of us with those videos, like that would be actually kind of ingenious. Well, then her whole personality would kind of have to be a troll. I think she... <laughs> Sometimes I think it is. At times I, I scratch my head and I say, wow. Oh my God. At 90, she'll just be like, this has been performance art this whole time. You guys are fools. Like yeah. <laughs> playing the long game. Uh, amazing. <laughs> like literally like Academy Award. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I'm actually super sorry. Anyhow, moving on from the delightful side of the internet, I actually wanted to talk about the zen blonde by that i mean where that comes from because that's actually how i i discovered you so i i first heard you last year you were on brian bailey's podcast and he was like oh where did zen blonde come from and you were like oh i used to do like be a meditation teacher and like something just clicked for me because i have this very granola spiritual side and a lot of people in my life have only ever seen that side of me and don't know that I know anything about pop culture and then I have this whole internet side where it's like people think that's I'm just I all I think about is the Kardashians and I was like we're really allowed to have all these sides and yeah I mean I don't know if you experience this but sometimes in like the meditation or spiritual community some of my other interests are kind of looked down upon like, yes. oh, that's so like, uh, like, it's just like, so like lowbrow. And so like the antithesis of what we're learning here. And like, the way that I see it is like, so I, when I was living in New York City, I had a really high stress job. And I was looking to kind of set boundaries with that job. So the first thing I did was I started learning Mandarin. And I'd be like, sorry, I got to go to Mandarin class can't stay five hours like, <laughs> later than I'm supposed to be here. Um, so that was like, you know, I, 
I needed to really practice to learn Mandarin. And then I was like, all right, I need to, I was my 25th birthday. I'm 30 now. That's the day that I started the Zen Blonde account. And I remember it because it was the first day that I went to a meditation class and I was using it actually as like almost like how people do fitness accountability. I wanted to use it to hold myself accountable to meditate. Um, and that's how this account started, which is so weird because it's evolved into something completely differently, different than that. And so I ended up going, I did this like 30 day meditation challenge at a place called mindful in New York city. And I meditated every single day for 30 days. And it was like a life-changing profound shift for my stress went from like a 12 on a 10 scale to like way more manageable. And so then I did their teacher training and I wanted to go even further. And I actually studied meditation around the world for a year and I studied it in all for the a whole tra- year straight. Mm-hmm. And I saw when it- you became a monk. Yeah. So like that one of the traditions I studied was Theravada Buddhism. So that's out of um, usually like Southeast Asia. So I was in Thailand, Uh, you know, in, in that tradition, women are encouraged to temporarily ordain. So I met a lot of women who did the, like my chi program, which is what I did. I had blue robes. Um, I had to shave, you know, my head um, and eyebrows and it was just like a crazy situation. But then when I was done meditating for the day, I would go back up to my room and like decompress with the real housewives. And so I'd say like the two sides of me are, it's like, yeah, I love meditation. I love spirituality. Like I, I feel all those things very deeply, but like, sometimes like you do need to let the monkey mind win. And sometimes you do need to just dive into the diversion hole of like all these other things that are actually interesting. And you can, you can perceive them and observe them in a way that's meaningful. And I, I hate that people like shit all over these other interests in the spiritual community, because it's like, I think there's like a lot of shame around it. I never told people in those communities, like what I was into. Um, yeah. I'm sure some of them have unfollowed me for my account because I post more pop culture stuff. But I by. like, I mean, yeah. yeah, I find those communities can be full of pretension and so much judgment. And I would rather someone just be like a trash panda with me than like pious and like, oh well, that's nice that you, that's cute that you like that stuff. And I'm like, who cares? We we all have hobbies. This is mine. Like, fuck off, basically. And like, yeah. I. I had this whole background in my early 20s. Um, I started going to Vipassana courses, like the 10-day silent meditation courses. So wow. I did So I did five in two years. And so you can't even look people in the eye, right? Yeah, you can't look people in the eye. You can't journal, listen to music. You can't do anything. You have two meals a day. And yeah, it's very extreme. And I was like gearing up for the, If you've done enough courses, you can do like a 30-day version of that where it's all those rules. And I was like, yeah, that's where I'm going. Like, this is it. I found it. I feel like I I have this personality where whatever compels people to do extreme sports, I have that with spiritual stuff. Like, or at least <laughs> I had that in the past. Like, I just like, well, that's you when, when, yeah. Cause the first video that I saw where you like mentioned this whole monkhood, it was talking about life sort of pushing you into these extremes through trauma. And I found I related to that so hard because yeah. I feel like that was my version of like, I don't know, like almost having like a phase of doing drugs or like just going like really like so far off the deep end or being like one of those people that snowboards like off of cliffs. Like I'm like, spiritually, I'm fully going off the cliff. And then I feel like I just like, it's like I injured myself in my soul. Like I was, I like floated away for a bit and I was so like out of my head. I just done too much. I was 25 when I did my last course. Like I started when I was like 23. So it was just, I was very young and I was very like extreme all or nothing type of thinking. It was like, I, like Jax Taylor said, I I strained my brain, (laughs) but, and, and that's when I just started thinking like, 
okay, this isn't always good. And then I started reflecting on a lot of the people that I met at those centers well met once the 10 days were over we broke our silence because you're living with people for 10 days you have no idea even you know what their voices sound like and I was thinking like okay some of them are cool and some of them like they've been doing this their whole lives and I would not want to live like them so I don't really need to go and take it this far anymore totally there's a lot of rigidity to it and you know I don't know if you've had this experience but like I went hard because I think I was dealing with like PTSD and I didn't even even diagnose at the time but I got diagnosed after when I really did a lot of like therapy work that like was really profound for me I think it's why I'm able to speak on the internet and be this like vocal person and have this confidence again at the time like I was going to these places where it was like there wasn't a lot of sound like okay sound is something that's like troublesome when you're you've gone through trauma there, Any kind of stimuli. You know, men yeah. couldn't approach me in a certain way. Like I was really just left to myself and I felt like safe in a weird way. It's, well, it's like you're protected. Like the robes are like, it's sort of like this barrier between you and the world. Like you really are in your own sort of bubble. And then, you know, honestly, like, you know, I think there was like this part of me too, that for my early twenties, I liked the food rules at the places, you know? And I, I've really reflected on that too. Like even the, um, the, Buddhist monastery in Thailand, like I ate one time a day. Well, I ate, it was supposed to eat at seven and 11. I never wanted the food at seven. We collected alms meals from around this town. Wow. And like, when I tell you, like it, people had just like a different like standard of living there. And I'm like, kind of, I'm not a germaphobe, but if I see something that looks like not super sanitary, <laughs> I get kind of freaked out. So I was just picking and eating, picking at the alms food. And like, I remember like the first month I lost like 20 pounds, um, which is a significant amount of weight to lose in a month. So wow. I mean, it's just like, there's, there's times where it can be so amazing and profound. And there's times where it can be these like, extremes. And I think if you can integrate it into your normal life and like, like how I think it impacts me now is like, I don't meditate every day. Like I listen to like spiritual stuff at night, like usually to go to bed. Um, but I think it makes me like more compassionate and understanding. And like, I think I don't have as much of a temper as I may be used to back when I was like a teen or in my early twenties. Um, and I think I just give everyone like a free pass if like things aren't, you know, I don't, I'm not hard on myself or other people. I think that's the main takeaway for me. Yeah. I, I have no regrets about my time, like going and meditating. Cause yeah, it was a very much a vacuum. You go in for 10 days and like, you go pretty far in like the silence, the silence is not the difficult part. Like people think that's going to be the yep. crazy part. It's meditating 10 hours a day. That's what, yep. and doing nothing else. And and that's, that's what gets you like, uh, is going that far into yourself. But for me, like, definitely, yeah, my biggest takeaway is just like, when I am in a good place, I'm more compassionate with myself. And I'm more able to like, look at people's actions and be like, okay, they're doing this from a place of hurt, like, you know, just have some understanding for them. But I think now it's like, in my early 30s, and I'm just feeling like, I just want to vibe. I literally... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've been this like make work project my whole 20s and on this quest of like self-improvement I'm like I don't care to improve to learn to do I just literally want to like feel nice and like you know I still have my my spiritual practices and everything but I think yeah the the whole self-improvement world even if you you don't go to monkhood or to, you know, meditation retreats, it is sort of this like millennial project. Yeah. I think we're all looking for something to grasp onto. That's not just dogma. That's like, that feels real. Cause I think a lot of us grew up with like really dogmatic 
Like I grew up in Catholicism and like, the, if you go to the root of the Christian teachings, which believe me, I did with the Benedictine monks <laughs> in Ireland, but like they're beautiful and they're wonderful, but a lot of it is bogged down by like dogmatic thinking and things that are very like shameful and punishing. And so I think that's what I was looking for. But I just, I remember like I did a, my first 10 day silent retreat was in Dharmasala, India. So that's where the Dalai Lama lives. And it's all the Tibetan diaspora yeah. that were there. And, um, so I'm in these like beautiful pine trees and there's like monkeys everywhere and the food was great. And it was this beautiful, like amazing retreat. And like, we actually did get a talking break for one hour a day where we would reflect on the, um, so we would do these Dharma talks, which are basically like Buddhist teaching talks. I'm sure you know that. I'm not sure if everyone listening knows that, but anyway, we'd have these talks and everything. But, um, I remember like how much my senses changed from silence and seeing little like scorpions walking around and seeing these bugs that I might've otherwise. I I hallucinated worse than I have doing a whole bunch of psychedelics, (laughs) like at the meditation centers. Oh yeah. Like I, yeah, I, I had some of the, I had the only bad trips I've ever had in my life (laughs) from the past. Oh yeah. On day eight, I was like, am I ever going to be okay? Like I'm not okay. And, and also some of the best, like, oh yeah. Visual, like I fully, with my eyes closed, I like turned into an atom and I couldn't, and then it was lunch break and I couldn't get back up. I had to slowly like turn back into a, it was, it's like, I can't even like fully put into words, but yeah, no, it was the most extreme sensory like experiences I've ever had and and it's interesting that you say like you know coming from this like really extreme background like um I I I met a lot of people that came from that environment and then were very drawn to uh like the the, that center almost as like an 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 extreme on the other side Mm -hmm. um and like for me I mean I I'm I'm pretty lucky. I've had only really positive experiences with organized religion, which I know is not the case for a lot of people. Um, But for me, I was like, just trying to get out of my head. Like I was trying to change my brain chemistry. Turns out I just needed meds, (laughs) which like took me about 30 years to figure out. And then it's like, (laughs) I went, well, and uh, like therapy and all the other things, but like literally it's like, Sins going on. It is the most spiritually connected I've ever been because I can actually just function more, and I don't. Yeah. Ha- I'm not like fighting, like swimming upstream so much. I was talking to my sister about this the other day because I'm like, I just got all this blood work back, and my doctor wants to put me on like a drug for my thyroid, and I'm like, oh god, you know, like I just hate medicine, and then I'm like, but I also love the vaccine so much. So what am I saying, right? Yeah. Uh, but I hate, I hate the idea of taking something every day, and my sister's like. Lauren, you know, like even Advil's derived from like a tree. She's like, everything comes from nature. And I'm just like, that's like, that's the way I'm going to frame it for myself. But I think like, I've had so many friends in New York city, just take Lexapro and it's changed their entire outlook on life. And it's like, sometimes that really is the answer. And I think probably, I probably could have gone on Lexapro and not meditated for a year. <laughs> not like kept the hair. Like, but... Well, I'm, like, I'm good and I, you know, gotten out of the snip a little bit faster, but you know, I did a lot of talk therapy and it, it helped a lot, but it's just so funny. So for anyone listening, I don't know if you've had this, I'm sure you've had this experience, the insane speed, like high of being able to talk for the first time after those 10 days 
you almost feel like a deer on ice where you like a baby deer on ice where you don't even like your words are like, so just like crazy. And your my pupils were dilated. Now. I spent a month at the center once and uh, someone thought I was on MDMA when I got out, like it was daytime. And he was like, what? Uh, <laughs> and he was like, no, like literally my, yeah, no, my eyes were gigantic. My eyes were like saucers and I was smiling and I looked like deranged, but I was just like floating on a cloud. <laughs> and like, and I turned the corner and this homeless man went, <gasps> you look like an angel and I've never had that happen like this is the <laughs> but I feel like because I was just like like emanating this weird energy yeah. yeah we um we I so interestingly enough for whatever reason like Darbasal is a big like pilgrimage for it just Israeli people so there were a ton of yes. Israeli people in Darbasal yeah. India so there were a bunch in my um in my silent retreat and so after we get out and they're like this like r- hilarious like boisterous group of people and then there's like people from all over the world though. And then there's people from India. There's just all these people. So we go to this like Irish pub in the middle of Dharmasala, like the mountains. Like, I don't even know. It's like called like Murphy's or something. And we're outside and we are talking up a storm for the first time ever. And we are so loud. The guy gotcha. tells us to be quiet. And the Israeli guy goes, we've been quiet for long enough. Like <laughs> everyone erupted into laughter the last night, I remember we had to sing like Om Mane Padne Om. And literally this Italian guy turned it into like a dance party opportunity and was like in the middle of like the group, just like throwing down. And I swear to God, I mean, things just got wild after we could talk again. Everyone was so ready. Oh, yeah. But that's and that's it. And that's where like and that's where I felt like I went astray is it was literally like someone who's doing too many drugs. Like, I don't know. It, it, it was weird. It like, and you know, I mean, I've had my times partying and whatever, and I've been fine, but that this like messed me up because I don't know there, there's just something that it does to your body, but it's like, I guess I, I'm sure you've heard like stories of what monks are capable of when like that they dedicate their whole life to that craft. It's like, they can melt snow like by sitting on it all mm-hmm. night or like, you know, there's like uh, this one practice somewhere in Asia where they have to like sit in the tiger path. They have to sit in a path that like tigers walk in and like just not get killed by just meditating. Well, have you seen the people who are in the caves that are actually alive, but look kind of dead? Like there's a guy going around TikTok right now. That's somebody's grandfather that looks like he's not with us anymore, but he's in a really crazy state of meditation where his heartbeats very low and he he is like in that process of like going but he's still very much alive and they say people can like stay in that state alive for a ridiculous amount of time and sometimes they put them in caves and you know again some of it is like is this the lore of the religion and some of it is like there i've seen some really crazy things especially like in the himalayas and stuff so i believe it all but i also like take it all with a grain of salt (laughs) yeah well okay so it's funny because just to like connect this whole world of pop culture, it's for me, I, I approach both of those worlds with just equal like curiosity and fascination. Like it's just humans doing funny, weird stuff. It doesn't seem so different to me, which is funny because the worlds are so split down the middle. I like literally thought about writing a book about like the housewives from like a Buddhist perspective and like just like my observations. Yes. Because like, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I think like, I don't know. I mean, the housewives and all, all these shows and pop culture in general is, is fascinating and it's fodder for our brains. I mean, I know for myself, like I dove into it more during the pandemic as a diversion than ever before. Like I was never this conscious of like 
I always knew like more than most people. Like I would like, I was the person that like, when you walked into work, like would tell you like the the five crazy things that happened like yesterday. But like, at the same time, like I, I never dedicated this much time to it. And of course it's because we're researching for TikTok and like, we're going further down the rabbit hole and we have so much more time now. Yeah. What we've been living through. Well, my, my thought is that celebrity culture is, is like art, the dark mirror to our soul. Like it's just reflecting back, like everything that we are and also wish to push away and that's why people are both so drawn to it and repelled by it i'm like the kardashians are not the problem it's why have we given them a platform and all this money we are we have created them and they are a product of what we wish to support whether we want to or not yeah that is such an interesting perspective and i think you're absolutely right i mean they wouldn't be able to do what they do without thousands of people you know, watching them and being obsessed with what they're doing. Yeah. And that's, um, that, that, that obsession is the problem. Like they, they would just be people like going to work and like going be, you know, being petty to each other, but we give them the platform. Also, like if we were Kardashians, <laughs> we could set the trend that everyone goes around in sweatpants, Birkenstocks, and like one of those comfy things. Like Kim's doing this whole Balenciaga, like crazy crazy braid moment slicked back and the leather the trends are really crazy and then seeing people like julia fox and the people that are kind of like want to be like similar to them like kind of following these crazy trends where they all look like kind of like super villains a little bit yeah yeah actually that's true and they are super villains they're real life they're basically a real life super villains it is crazy i so i went my friend like manages a building and so she got like a an email like hey hillary clinton Chelsea Clinton and Kim Kardashian be in the coffee shop next door. Okay, wait, pause. I saw this on your stories. Like at a restaurant, and then you like pan the camera and there's just Kim Kardashian and Hillary Clinton. I'm like, is this an LA? Like, is this just your life in LA? God, I think you can definitely see people pretty often if you put yourself in like the right place at the right time. You'll hear things and like it's LA, right? Because I always think of it this way: like New York is finance and old money. And then you go to DC and you're like, everyone's like career has to do with politics. When you come to LA, it's entertainment. So all those people are here or they're coming here, coming and going here um, pretty often. Cause that's just the industry here. So um, they're a part of it. So they're definitely around with Kim. You know, I just got that, that my friend just let me know. And I was like, you know what? Like I could work from home. Or I could work from there with my laptop and go have like a live action Kardashian like afternoon and every <laughs> afternoon. So it was like fascinating to see them. They're doing something, I think, for that like gutsy woman book that like Hillary and um, Chelsea co-authored. But it was fascinating to see her in person. It really was like I was shocked. Which one, Hillary or Kim? (laughs) Definitely both. I mean, Hillary and Chelsea, I'd seen Chelsea before because she didn't live too far from me in New York City. I saw her a few times in the park. Mm -hmm. Um, But Hillary, like she just looked exactly like what I thought she would look like. And it was like such a moment because I was like, oh my gosh, it's Hillary Clinton. But um, with Kim, it was fascinating to see because she didn't try to wear something kind of like presidential for this meeting. She's like, no, I'm Kim Kardashian. I'm going to go with the Matrix look. Oh, yeah. She's like, she's like, this is my like Balenciaga promo. Like people at that level can... Of, of fame like can just do that kind of stuff un, unapologetically <laughs> I look forward to a day where she has a new style that makes me feel like she's comfortable in her clothing 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, well, the bike shorts was was seemed comfy. Those were comfy. Those were comfy. Yeah. This the whole boots turning into jeans or uh, like a legging vibe. Oh, like the, <laughs> the, glo- the gloves, the gloves are everywhere now, and they they are a bit uncanny valley to me. <laughs> the uh, housewives are doing it. You know, the masks are actually what really gets me because we already have <laughs> ones that cover our mouths, and when they're looking like they're doing some weird BDSM stuff, I'm like, I saw that movie. What was it? A Pulp Fiction, and I. I that I saw too young and that is emblazoned in, in my mind. I've never seen it since. I just remember it was very traumatic in the moment. And like, it just gives me like a weird vibe. Full horror movie dystopia. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't even thought about it because I just think everything they do is so like weird that I'm like it all kind of blends together. I have to say about you spotting them. Something that I really love about your content is I feel like you have the only aspirational LA content in that okay when I see your your stuff like your your Instagram and like your videos are like around LA it's like that's what I feel like I've never been to LA and I, I will someday I those are the fun things I would be doing in a very a real way it's not like oh my god guys like I'm literally so addicted to Pilates like it's crazy you know like those, oh, oh, no. <laughs> like the, you're, you're just doing fun stuff around LA that it's very yeah. Um, specific to the area and I'm always like oh like it makes me want to be there but not in a like hating myself kind of way yeah no it's so funny I talked to a friend about this it's like I think like one of the things about my content is I am relatable Um, and there's a lot of people that are here that are like look at my new like it's just always like something like very like out of touch the grocery stores here are impeccable but then it's like you know, I'm not too good to go to Tom Tom and like, you know, geek out on like the Bravo stuff. And then I also like to go to some of the really nice dining here. So the thing is like Tom Tom, you know, you go for if you're a Vanderpump fan and it is a lively scene and the goat cheese balls are amazing. But if I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> a little bit of a glorified apple base. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, if I'm being heard. No, I'm not I'm not going for gourmet food. I'm going to have my be like my super touristy Vanderpump like it's a fun time too. And you get like a decent cocktail and it's a fun time. And you know, like I think that's the thing. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people that, you know, it's not a cool enough scene for them. But anyway, the last time I was there, I saw Raquel. Um, the time before that, who did I see? I saw um Tom Sandoval. Um or no, Tom Schwartz. And I've surrendered to Sandoval a bunch of times and honestly, nicest guy you could ever meet. So, so you know, yeah, you'll see a- them there. I saw Lisa Vanderpump once. I mean, you really do see them when Did you go there. So if you like the show, I say go get the goat cheese balls and get like a flatbread and then maybe 
turn the corner and go to Chaconi's for your main meal or something. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah. And I genuinely also want to start my morning with like a smoothie that has so many like superfood additives that it's like $17, you know, like I genuinely want that. <laughs> I oh, want the yeah. full oh. experience. We have a thing called Erewhon. So it's I, like, oh, I know. Oh, tra- like I'm. <laughs> It's down the street for me. I love it. And Spencer Pratt is obsessed with it. Um, I've seen him there. Oh my God. I mean, the way they line up the juices, like it just looks like uh, jewels. Like it's, it's almost it's like sickeningly gorgeous. perfect. Okay. So that sounds incredible. We were talking before about off mic, what you wanted to come to Montreal someday. Montreal is the exact antithesis. Like it's like old and charming, but it's also crumbling and dilapidated, but people don't give a fuck. And it's like very much the spirit of the place. Like people are just looking like people are bold in their style, but it's not like in a, it like, they'll be like wearing some weird trench coat. And then the next person will have this kind of like, almost like a weird, like mime of And the next person looks like they could be in like a magazine. I don't know. It's just, it's a very look that's like, everyone is very much into their thing, whatever that is. And they're chain smoking and they're brash. Portland meets Paris or something. In the quirkiness, yes. But in the attitude, very French. Very. Like, yeah. That's the only reason why I hesitate because it is, it's super yeah. weird. But it's weird in the way of like, our government has put so much money into like funding the circus here. Like, I'm not even joking. Shut up. You can get a grant. Oh, yeah. If you want to do like, if you want to like start your own circus or just like have like, put on a show, they will give you money for it. Like, they're like, we're promoting our Quebec culture. And it's just resulted in people. Yeah. Like people just, I didn't even know Quebec had like, or I didn't even know that was a thing. So circuses are big where you live. Uh, Oh yeah. Well, the Cirque du Soleil started here. And then even there was like a free circus show. They blocked off my, my street actually this summer and just put on the two week circus show where all day, every day there was just free circus. Shut up. Yeah. But it's know that at all. I didn't know that about Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. And, but it's just, it's a city where if you walk around the summer, you will stumble into a weird festival, be it like a fringe <laughs> festival, a puppet festival. Like some people are just like doing their thing and it's very irreverent. So I guess like Portland, but then they're very, like very, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, coming from, I'm from here, but coming from the West coast where everyone's like, so like nice, maybe not as direct as they could be here. It's like, they don't, <laughs> they're not going to pretend they like you if they don't. <laughs> There's like definitely those attitudes uh, in the East in general, because like I'm from New York originally and out, I think I've always belonged out here. Cause I'm just like a chill cucumber. But, um, when I go back, like sometimes I'm like, wow, everyone's so abrasive. Did I used to be this abrasive? Like, it's so fun. <laughs> like, well, I'm like- I, it's funny. It's funny. You say that, that you were always meant to be there. I know that I'm not, I, I, I enjoy the yeah. kind of spectacle of that around me, but I'm not like that. Uh, because growing up, everyone asked me if I was from California and I'm like, literally I'm from Montreal. I've never lived anywhere else. <laughs> you like, uh, maybe you'll go to California and you'll be like, you know what? That, maybe that's I'll just it. like, yeah, maybe I'll just <laughs> like go. I mean, I'm not opposed. Like I fell twice on the ice this morning, like just trying to get coffee. Like I fell once on my butt and then once on my shin. So I'm just 360 like scraped. And so I'm ready. I'm ready for the beach. <laughs> I No, I totally get it. I, if I could split my time between New York and California, I would. Cause I, I like a little bit of the winter and the fall, but like, I, I like it for that cute first snow moment and like the holidays. And then I'm like, bye. That's, That's just it. The first snow, the moment that, it, that moment oh, is very yeah. sweet. And then it, here it goes on for like six months and you're like, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're like vitamin D. I don't know her. Like, <laughs> 
let's get into today's content. So the first order of business that we want to touch on is uh, the royal family seems to be, the wheels seem to be falling off uh, the wagon, so to speak. The queen currently has COVID. Oh my God. I know. I saw the news through a tweet where someone said, I'm obsessed with them, their soft launch of the queen's death. <laughs> and it was like one of the funniest things I've ever had. Oh, because it's like, she's not, what, 95? The comments section on tick like some of these tiktoks about that stuff like somebody said like philip saw her the people get so so just absolutely they go so far and i just see everyone commenting like i'm fighting for my space in heaven and i've been reading the comments i'm fighting for my space in heaven because i'm like this is like a real woman guys like come on but it's also just like people are just so crazy they're sort of the least close to human beings like i mean in the way that like they're literally i think the monarchy started as like their gods like representatives on earth you know and and as canadians like she's on all of our money and like we we're bracing that yeah we're bracing ourselves for like what's the what's her son um oh my god charles charles is gonna be on your money she's on our coins our bills like everything i i forget that that's gonna impact your money because i commented on a, a you know a tiktok about this Oh my God, like I'm American and I'm already very concerned about the the money changing over to Charles. Like, are they going to do an accurate depiction of those chubby fingers? Well, uh, maybe because they, they, the, our money has changed as she's aged. Like they have like updated what? it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause it used to be like 40 years ago, it was like young queen Elizabeth. And now it's like, you know, they don't show every wrinkle, but it's definitely like old <laughs> queen Elizabeth is on her quarters. Face <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a light face tune is still like a little realistic, like just a couple wrinkles in there, but I'm like, I'm like, we've all gotten used to that, but like, Charles' money will be jarring. Like at that point, it's like, can we end the fact that we're Millicent a con- money? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> no, Philip said Philip didn't make the cut, and neither will Camilla. But, but like, yeah, I think because we're like we're technically a constitutional monarchy. Sometimes I forget that like Canada and and England are like so connected. Still, I did I forgot about the bunny. It's been so long since I've been to Canada. I, I'm concerned for you. Well, when you get Charles money, I'm going to like Venmo you American money so that you can send me one of them. Cause I'm definitely going to need that. Oh yeah. I'll send, yo, I'll send you a, I'll send you a little collection we got. Um, and then <laughs> yeah, I'll send you some loonies and toonies. But for a while, they're just going to be putting out the money and then you're going to have Charles and then the queen and the <laughs> queen's going to be dead. And then it's going to be, Oh my God, that's a whole vibe right there. Yeah, it's it's selfishly that's what I'm focused on, and also like I guess with everything they do, I mean I'm I'm interested in the PR of, of what everyone's doing, but especially them the way that they are so calculated, but in the way that it's like this full institution, like there's like a full I don't know like beyond the firm, ent- the firm. yeah the firm yeah capital F firm like and uh, then I always wonder like is that was this announced. Uh, to distract is there any Prince Andrew stuff coming out you know like I'm like they thought about when to announce it and why and I in the back of my head I'm always like what's Prince Andrew up to like is is like the trial going through you know well I know he settled outside of court with Virginia Jufri um I, I read that and I mean, obviously he's just so guilty and there's there there is a lot of shady stuff going on there um, and they've done their best to like kind of put Megan, I think 
put Meghan Markle kind of on the chopping block. Oh, that's no, Here. that is now basically, I don't, I don't want to say a, a fully proven fact, but essentially that. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of evidence that there's like been like a bot campaign against her. That's like been well-funded. Yeah. They were um, like, you were rude to someone five years ago. Like you were rude to a staff member. <laughs> and, and like, that was the focus versus like, you know, Prince Andrew's, uh, basically having like a, a residency on or <laughs> his Island. Bears that he needed arranged for the 70 teddy bears he needed arranged in his room specifically in a specific order and then would have a tantrum if they weren't the thing is I've, I've talked to like because I I just got my Irish passport but I have like oh. very Irish background my grandmother's from Ireland so I've been spent a lot of time over there and when I was speaking with my European relatives I was like you know I think Meghan Markle gets a bad rap but I think that sometimes like Americans can come off as like abrasive to other countries. And like, yeah. this is who we have to be to survive in America. Cause we, we have to be outgoing and we have to jump in and kind of, um, if you like are like a wallflower here, like things are going to be challenging for you or you're going to have to have like a very interior life where you're like a computer developer or something. I don't yeah. know. No, no. I, I, it's funny. I've actually had this conversation with an ex of mine who is American where I was like, you're kind of all like in my face and he's like look like I get it and also like I'm American basically but like it I mean it's not universal but it is sort of like the positive side is very friendly and the negative side is like kind of gregarious yeah and we don't mean to be no <laughs> no but when the um, volumes turned up to a certain level you kind of have to like you know meet it there totally and the thing is you know I think we're all so shaped and it's, we all speak English. So we forget that like we're our culturally, we're very different, even though we all speak the same language. And um, I think with Megan, I always kind of wondered if she rubbed people the wrong way because she was American and maybe she, her way of asking for things or her way of like functioning in a work setting, like wasn't like the British way. And then it just rubbed people the wrong way or came off as rude or abrasive or whatever it was when it was really just like, she, that's how she was used to getting work done. Well, that's so interesting because I always attributed it purely to racism, like the, yeah. her, the reaction to her. But it's interesting to think of like a bit of it being American. Um, I, oh my God, this is like, I don't know. I feel like embarrassing to admit, but I watched the whole wedding of Meghan Markle and um, oh, Prince Harry. Yeah. But like, it was like four hours. Like I sat, ra- I was like crying. Like- I found inner- I found Wi-Fi in the, uh, the middle of a random part of India. I was on internet. I- yes I'm in good company okay so I was like and also just the cultural clash of these stiff British monarchy like speeches that they have to go and then that preacher and that preacher being like love just like touches you like down your heart and and, like was like talking about what it's like to feel like like love for the first time and and I was like oh my god they are just they're in shock right now chuckle a little bit she Mm -hmm. was like holding back a laugh Oh yeah! Oh, the queen, Kate Middleton. Oh, Kate Middleton. Other <laughs> than we're trying to hold back laughter, but again, that was the culture clash. And I think racism is a huge part of why people yeah. were awful to Megan. They and I think they didn't want him marrying an American. Yeah, and then I think she her Americanness rubbed them the wrong way too. I think it was all those three things on top of like her being the shield for Prince Andrew and single mom from a single like a single yeah. Yeah, yeah, divorce it. Yeah, everything. It was a perfect storm. And then the perfect storm created the shield for Prince Andrew. And in some ways, I feel like she just, it. she still is. Like, she's just this perfect kind of pariah for them where it's like. It's the family like, doesn't help anything. I mean, that sister, Samantha Markle. Oh. And the dad. Oh, my God. I mean, oh sometimes God. the dads appeared on, like, talk shows. And, like, I mean, is he 
is he okay? Is he a little drunk right now? I don't know. No, he's, he's unwell. And like, he's not, a, I mean, he's just like an embarrassing family member, which that's so more common than not. But so if you were a Royal, do you think that, do you think you have people in your life who would give interviews? <laughs> <laughs> would I have people sell out? Probably. I feel like maybe, I feel like everyone would have some random people. Come Cause out I think I'd have some distant people be like, who like don't know me that well that would like just monopolize on it like I don't even know um oh yeah I no I feel like it would be the per I feel like it would be the person you'd least suspect like it was it would be like someone you were friends with in like the eighth grade who'd be like oh well they said this and here's this like note they passed me once and like actually you know like it- <laughs> yeah I think Megan kind of shot herself in the foot in the beginning because you know her friend did have all those photos of her in front of Buckingham Palace and then I remember in the inter- in the interview, like she kind of did that thing that we all do where it's like, I didn't Google him before the date. You know, she's like, I didn't have like that much of an understanding of the royal family. And I'm like, girl, you studied international relations and you are extremely intelligent and like you are so smart that I know you knew who he was. However, we have all had to play that card on a date and you just happen to be dating a prince. So it's a lot harder for you to play that card. And you probably playing it from the beginning where you're like, I don't even know you, which is totally a play. Like we've all done it. Oh my God. No, I know. I, I'm like a Scorpio. I'm like, before we've gone on our first day, like I'll know, like, wait, I all like have seen your like Facebook albums from like t- 15 years ago. Like I know that that's why a lot of people like really hated on her for that interview. But I also felt like if she said, yeah, I was kind of obsessed with him and I thought it would be cute to like date prince then people would have just hated just as much but in a different way and then yeah. it's just but it's such a conundrum because and it's it like, would have been embarrassing for her because he's yeah. a guy he probably thinks that she had no idea who he was because he's a guy and guys are yeah. like yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't admit to my detective ways to like my you know someone i've dated no but i'm but i'm out there i'm i'm getting all the receipts and all the googling yeah. so i did feel like she was stuck between a rock and a hard place with that she was, she was. <laughs> no i felt for her but i was also just like man that is that is a that is a hard one to to pull over Megan <laughs> well and yeah it's funny because her and Kate Middleton are both Leos they just want they 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 want the spotlight and they like the light shining on them and like when I was watching the Royal Weddings I was like how how are you able to withstand that much attention and then I was like oh yeah they're Leos like <laughs> no, they're I'm, thriving um their dynamics really interesting to me too, because Kate at one point it was like, she was weighty Kate and she was, they would act like she was from this like lowbrow, like, like, you know, family. And it's like, her family was really well off. Like, they were really rich and they were brushing shoulders with the Royal family. Like when her mom created that party business, like they were like in the tens of millions. I mean, you know, they weren't and, well, family rich, but it's funny. Cause like my dad, who's British, like he was sort of describing when, when that was all happening, he was describing like Pippa Middleton as almost like kind of like the Paris Hilton, like the highbrow socialite, but like the party girl kind of vibe of England, but like the kind of more, I don't know. Posh, waspy, the, yeah. The, the waspier version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, interesting, like interesting. Yeah. I mean, no, they obviously they knew the whole deal and and that that's part of the appeal, but that that has to be. But you can't admit it. If you would if you say that, you're like, yeah, I wanted to get in with the monarchy. That soundbite will be used with every interview you, you and do you for the rest would of your ne- life. They would never they would never accept you. I mean, even just watching the crown and seeing all the tests that people have to endure at like Sandringham and like all the different things that go into it. I find like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff really interesting. And I've always been fascinated by the Royal family. I can't wait for the next season of the crown, but um, 
I think even just some of like all the rumors about Williams infidelity and then like the smoking guns there with that yeah. rose, what's her face? Like though that's really yeah. interesting. Um, and I wonder if we're going to be like 70 someday watching movies about that and it's going to somehow become known. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah. I mean, it's like our soap operas. One of the best moments in pop culture for me was when Oprah asked uh, Harry and Meghan if they watched the crown. <laughs> It just felt like this breaking the fourth wall moment. She's like, did you watch The Crown? Like, I was just like oh. Do you know that I didn't know that like it was not okay for me to live stream that on TikTok? So I went I went on live. For everyone that missed it on this post, I live streamed it. TikTok didn't get mad at me. I had 10,000 people watching that with me the first time I watched it. It was like most people on live ever. And um, I didn't understand what gifts were at that time. So people were like sending me roses and this and that. And I was like, what are these things? And then I, was like, I realized it was money. Um, I made some money off of that, but I was, it was literally like, as if like, I, I was like a Super Bowl viewing or something. And I was the commentator. I'm like, well, did you guys like a commercial break? I was giving like my, were, were, you, were you silent or I'm silenced? Like, <laughs> I mean, I watched that interview so many times and like figure out like new things that I, I think are interesting about it. I, since I live like not too far away from there, I've driven around Oprah and Harry Meg. Harry and Megan's neighborhood. And the entire thing is like a resort. Like it is the most beautiful place. Um, and I just saw that Larry David purchased a home down the road for them. So like, I'm envisioning like Larry David, like awkwardly running into Harry and Megan in a grocery store and it being like a curb your enthusiasm episode, like in Montecito, that, like the, the music just starts playing. And only they know about it, but like somebody should really be filming it. Um, oh, my God. oh my God. That is incredible. I would watch like I would watch like the security cams on the sidewalk that don't even have sound like of that interaction. I would literally I would, watch that. They would do the crown, like a modern crown, like with like Megan and Kate, like they could do it with sock puppets and I would watch it. Oh yeah, totally. I thought, okay. And this is kind of an aside from the, the interview. It's just funny. Cause we were talking about like the perception of Americans. I remember seeing a bunch of tweets and articles about people watching that interview internationally and being like, Americans, are you okay? Every single commercial was either like McDonald's or like antidepressants. Like, what's going on with you guys? <laughs> and people were like, a, like horrified by like our drug commercials and like the different yeah. warnings. And I'm like, you know, like it's really like that. There needs to be like an immune to it country. Like, I don't know. I think that's maybe that's why we're so um, <laughs> out, out outgoing is all the things they're pumping into us <laughs> through like literally every single avenue like it's like Alice in Wonderland they're like eat this to make you big eat this to make you small <laughs> I know it's like literally like the Hunger Games or something but I just I thought that was so funny because I mean whatever Canadian TV we get American TV it's the same thing but just seeing people in Europe being like oh my god what are you are any of you guys okay and I'm like I'm like no are you guys okay like what does wait are we missing something? I thought no one was okay. <laughs> no, I know. I, I think that um, it's so interesting to know that like they had that reaction because I think we're just so like, it just goes right over our head. Like we don't even think about those commercials. No, when they're like, always yeah, you just see like seniors like skipping down the street and they're like, may cause like the following side effects. And it goes on for like three minutes and you're like, yeah, like, sudden, like, sudden death. Like, yeah. <laughs> Ebola like symptoms, yeah. eyes like <laughs> spontaneous leakage. <laughs> it was just a funny zooming out. Yeah, I'll like, take it, you know, just give me the medicine. <laughs> yeah, being like, oh, you guys probably are, uh, w- <laughs> probably like half of the things we're eating are like sprayed with stuff that's been banned in Europe for like the last twenty years. 
I know. Well, that's why I feel like when I go to Europe, I can eat the same things and like feel so much better. Yes. No, I, every time I've gone to Europe, I've eaten like a glutton, like nonstop and lost weight and truly like eating like rich foods and drinking wine and like doing that. And I just, I, it's there, it's like the the water. I don't know what it is, but I've heard other people say the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, like their stuff just isn't as like, um, adulterated, like, you know, no, it's not as adulterated and it's not as sprayed with, you know, roundup. Like I think our food sprayed with roundup about like a second before it's like harvested. Like there's, there's so many blown into every freaking field in like, America. you know, yeah. Like, it's like it's like organic uh crops that's like right on the border of like the Monsanto crops. It's like okay, sure. Like, what did you think of last week's Euphoria episode? Um, Were you left stressed? Oh, I'm left stressed and traumatized by every single episode. Do you and just I not want to have kids? Because I don't want to have kids, and I think it's because of Euphoria. Yeah, yeah. Every childless person is just like so grateful. I'm like sort of yeah. I'm sort of like like uh like eighty eighty percent on the note. But I don't know. Like it's it's such a weird thing to be in your like in a woman in the thirty to thirty five bracket. I feel like mm-hmm. it's all this pressure from society. And I've I've skated past all the pressure of like getting married, having the like whatever settling down. Like I I feel like I just was oblivious to that. And then I turned 30 and I feel like I got struck by all this like externally imposed pressure of like, Oh my God, make your decision. Like it's life or death, make it now. And then euphoria is like, uh, you're good. Don't. (laughs) Well, like when I was living in New York friends and when we were like 27, their company was getting them fertility tests. Like they were able to do it within their company. My friends that worked at Facebook, and they were like, yeah, like my eggs, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't even know what's going on with my eggs. And I haven't even checked into that. And then I started watching Euphoria and I said, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Because <laughs> I literally, it's funny. It's so funny because literally today I have a friend who just had a kid and, and I was saying, I was like, oh, everyone, I was joking. Like everyone in the pandemic either had a kid or, or broke up. She's like, yeah, but I did mine. On, mine was planned. And I was like, and for a second, I forgot that like people <laughs> plan plan to have kids I was like oh yeah like didn't I feel like people had like had babies like they would get a puppy you know yeah yeah that's true no I know no it's so interesting but yeah euphoria makes us all scared of teens and like yeah I mean I I like the way it was almost like this weird fever dream of the play and like the play acting out life and like um what character do you relate to the most this is going to be, this is me just being like, having to be brutally honest with myself, Cassie, like in my most youngest and most delusional moments, like, oh, it's like, it's painful. Oof. Not the infidelity, but just more like her being so caught up in this like fantasy in her head. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I think Cassie definitely, I could relate to her in like a younger sense. And I also relate to the girl who threw on the play, whose name I'm forgetting right now. Cassie? I relate to Lexi because I'm a Capricorn and, but like the Leo rising would, would want to put like ho- have a play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, totally. And I liked her, I think more as an adult, I relate to Lexi more because she, I think is just the most mature one and the least like troublesome. Um, but the show in and of itself is really, really hard to watch, but then it's so addictive. And I'm just like you where like, I, I watch TV to escape. Yeah. Um, with Euphoria, somehow I'm watching. It, it is such a shocking show, which is very hard to do because 
like we've seen it all. Actually, for me, Rue's reality feels like it could have been mine in a very terrifying way, which is like, why I'm like, I'm normally watching like Summer House. Like that's the level that I can like be at. But it's like, I, I was caregiving for a parent. I was surrounded by all that type of medication. Like I can see how, like, that's how she got addicted to drugs is because she was surrounded by, by oxys and like taking care of her palliative parent. That's lit. That was literally me, like not that long ago. And, and it's like, now that I'm removed from it, I can see it's obviously it's bad. (laughs) Heroin's bad, like shocker, but you do lose perspective in that moment. So that's why the show is especially hard for me to watch. And also like kind of this reality check of like, I feel like I was, uh, if I hadn't been raised right, I was maybe a hair away. Like I could totally see that, that path. And and, like as a teenager, I made some crazy choices as a teenager. And like, if I were put in the same situation as Rue and was going through that with like no supervision, like you just never know. Like you, as when you're that young, you can make choices and not really fully understand the gravity of the consequences or like that. Like if you're, if you start doing that kind of drug, like you're going to be dealing probably with a lifetime, lifetime of addiction, like, um, sort of treatment because it's like something that like really kind of stays with you. Um, and like, I know you probably have known people, I don't know how it was in Canada, but like in my age group, I knew a lot of people die from like, um, fentanyl and heroin and like high school where at some point we were on the same track and we were all like 18 and we were on the same track and like, you know, we maybe partied, but it was never to that level. And then I came back from college and it was like, Oh my gosh, like, yeah, it it really turned. Yeah. And it's not people that like it, you know, when I think when you were growing up in like the nineties, it's like drugs are bad. And if you're from the wrong side of town, like that's what you're into. It's like this, this total stereotype. But then we've seen, you know, through the prescription drug, like crisis that it's like, it's really anyone from any walk of life, like any like income level, like it it can just kind of take people out, which is why, I mean, part of why it's so shocking is because it's dealing with all these adult themes, but it's like about quote teenagers, this is what I've been wrestling with for a while now is yeah. there's gratuitous nudity. Like there's more nudity than there needs to be. And it's from, it's like teenagers now. And um, a couple of weeks ago I had um, Tori from ready to be petty on the podcast. And we were like, is this art? Is this some creepy old guy? Like, is he putting forth his fantasy? Like, is this okay? You know, like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's even like within, did you watch And Just Like That? Uh, I didn't yeah. see Brady having sex with his girlfriend. Like, I really didn't need to see that. I didn't need to see it. I didn't need to hear it. We know teenagers are having sex. It was horrifying, uh, too, that, that like Miranda was like, we can't sex shame our son. And I'm like, this has gone too far. Now. Like, y- your son is like banging all over the house. Like, get it to get like, it's just rules down. hide it from their parents. Your parents should never know. Yeah. What, gross I mean, no at least have the respect to hide it in my opinion like not to be rude like I wouldn't no. want my, I wouldn't no, want the, people in my house to do that to me regardless of their age or marital status so especially not family no one does gross and right not, no that's truly like traumatic as fuck so yeah. like I just think that you know on these shows I think it's like we've almost been recently given permission to do, have prosthetics and to have like such graphic imagery and now it's like I feel feel like people are running wild with it where it's like am I watching a tv show or am I watching porn like you know what I mean like yeah yeah no and and that so 
I've been thinking back actually to um, college. Like I took some like human sexuality type of class. And we had these like really interesting discussions of like what makes something like art versus porn basically. And it was like, and, and, you know, when we first started those conversations, I was like, oh, well, it's pretty obvious. And then they were like, oh, but if you have an art exhibit and everyone's naked, like, is that, is that art or is that porn? And like, if it's porn, but it's done artistically, like what, you know, like the line is actually very, it's very nebulous. And with something like euphoria, it's like, there's, yeah, there's, there's dicks everywhere. There's like naked teenagers running around. There's like, it's like mixed with like violence. It, and I, and now that I'm sort of questioning Sam Levinson. Yeah. It's really, that's, what's kind of taking it to a place for me where I'm thinking like, I feel like this is actually wrong in a lot of ways, but it gets away with it because it's so beautifully artistic. Tell me more about um, Sam. Cause I kind of skimmed over that, but I want to hear more about like, what made you think he was kind of sketch? Um, well, okay. Like, and, and I don't, you know, like allegedly, and I'm not saying he's like a predator or whatever. And when I say wrong too, I'm very careful because it's like, I'm not trying to like body shame and sex. I'm not saying like nudity is bad, but it's like just, okay. So at this point, three actresses have come forth and basically said some version of like, there was nudity written in, in a way that was uncomfortable. Right. And And they asked to have it removed and he respected that. But even like, um, the actress who plays like the the drug dealer, like the teacher, like chilling teacher, like she she vetoed a plot line where she had like a, a she said she had a pedophile um, plot line with Rue and like vetoed it. And <gasps> so Minka Kelly, who was like the babysitters, the parents of the babysitter, like she said she said no to nudity, and like she's with Maddie, who's like a teenager, and if they they were supposed to get naked in the pool together, and like that would be that would be pedophilia. Yep. You had Sydney, Sydney Sweeney saying that she she was already she's very nude on this show a lot, and she actually said she had to cut a bunch of scenes. And then you have Chloe Sherry, who's an adult actress, like an adult film actress, and she she actually said that the first scene she was ever supposed to film, she was supposed to be completely naked and kind of for like no reason, but just. Um, and then her person who played her boyfriend on the show actually was like, whoa, this is way too much. Like we need, like, no, no, no. Like he, he actually said no. And she's like, well, I'm just used to filming at adult films, but he said, she said like everyone else on set was uncomfortable that she was just supposed to like show up and be naked kind of for no reason and stuffed into a, like a ceiling vent. And so all these kind of stories are, are adding up. And I'm just like, I'm not saying we need to like take Sam Levinson out. I'm just sort of like, do, do you get to get away with things because you are brilliant artistic mind? And it's like, where is it coming from? And is it going to, is it causing harm? Cause I think, I mean, a story that illustrates this that I was focusing on and it got taken down from TikTok. Cause like TikTok's So whoever manages my TikTok uh, alerts is like, so just strict with me. I got a video taken down for a condom falling out of Zac Efron's pocket. Like literally like just craziness. I had a video taken down for um, showing footage of, or talking about Ben Shapiro describing the WAP video. So like, yeah. It's, there's no rhyme or reason and so hard to predict. But anyway, um, the video that got taken down, I talked about on my podcast, but basically it relates to Playboy and Brooke Shields was 10 years old. She, so her mom, like, 
signed her up to be shot for a magazine called Sugar and Spice. In the magazine, there was a a leaflet like type, or there was an insert that was like a monthly thing called Nymphets, which is a reference from the book Lolita. Uh, Lolita. And she was completely naked. You could see everything. Um, thank God the pictures are online, but they're very censored. But you can see kind of that she was wearing very adult makeup, that she was in a bathtub, and that she was completely naked. And then this is in a Playboy syndication called Sugar and Spice. So they went to the they went to um, you know they did some, they had some lawsuits around it once she her star was rising. And I think her mom had some regrets, but it's like what was the purpose of that? If it's in a kind of lesser playboy and it's these prepubescent girls wearing makeup, the judge said that it was supposed to be for, it was supposed to be artful. And I'm like, if that's supposed to be artful, like if this is supposed to be like a cherub and a painting from like the Renaissance, like, no, it's not that this is a loophole for creeps to get something that's really, really wrong. And that's, and that's such a product of the times. And like, I, when it's like as you're saying this I'm thinking of us growing up with the copper tone girl like the that we all had sunscreen that literally had a, a you know what looked like a five-year-old girl with like facing away but like no top and her underwear being pulled down by a dog like what the hell like that was we all had that sunscreen remember that? so sick and you know the thing is and no one questioned no one was like this is problematic everyone was like Haha. like <laughs> and the thing is of course like um most people are going to look at that and not have a perverse mind and not, not like whatever. But I think the, the overarching theme with any media is we have to protect young people from people that do have those minds because we're conscious of the fact that there are sick people out there. Um, and but so we a, need to feel more it. than it, Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think there's a lot more sick people than we even know, which we know a lot now, thanks to the internet, but it's like that what you said before about like, what it comes down to is like, where is this coming from? I think that is the interesting question. And sometimes I wonder if it's like this perverted fantasy that's just sort of shrouded in artistry. And I'm like, another aspect for me that raises a a red flag is well, like Drake is the executive producer, one of them. And I got my eye on him. <laughs> you know, I have to say. Allegedly. All lies. Thing. Everything I'm saying is lies. We're yeah. liars. Um, the first thing I saw, the first thing I thought when I saw Millie Bobby Brown post her 18th birthday photo was like, I wonder if like Drake's now going to like try to date her. Because yeah. the sex exchanges between them, in my opinion, and I get that it's industry, whatever. It's very bizarre for him to be giving boy advice to a girl when she was like 14, 15 years old. Like, I thought that was so weird. I thought that be was giggling. For her to be giggling, like, yeah, for anyone who didn't see the interview, basically a bunch of the interviews surfaced where she was talking about, she was 14 or 15, and she was talking about how they're friends, and they text all the time, and the person said, what do you text about? And she was like, oh, everything, boys and relationships, and they were like, oh, what is, he, like, what does he say? She's like, oh, that's between me and him. And I, it gave me such deep chills, because we've all grown, when we've grown up, you get you're a woman, you get attention from older men and you think it's cute. You think you're so cool in that moment. And then you get older and you're like, oh my God, they were losers. Also, why are you asking, why aren't you asking her about stranger things? Why are you asking her about her boyfriends? There's no reason like to be texting. I think a 15 year old about anything when you're a 30 year old man, other than like, Hey, like I saw great, you know, great job. What do you ask her? Whatever. Like a, a little, a little light exchange. Other than that, no, like it doesn't matter that they're famous. 
you're not friends with the 15 year old. And then, you know, like there's things Kinda like Kylie like and Tyga, like, you know, yeah, like anyone, basically anyone who starts dating someone the day they turn 18, I'm like, okay, like we all know what's going on here. And, you know, Drake, he's taken, um, he's like rented out a restaurant for a model, like on her 18th birthday, like he's done things like that. And so for him to be the executive producer on a show that is about sexualizing teens, I'm like, huh. And yet I'm, I watch it like it's on fire. I just, they're all like 30. So it's like, it's weird. Like I don't see them as like teens, but like, but then they are. And it's, it's a very weird thing to grapple with. And I, I think that like, we'll all zoom out from this in a few years and have even more to say. Um, But it's, it's crazy too. Cause a lot of the violent, like sexual stuff, like, I just hope that kids don't watch it and get influenced because the media does really influence people. It's a a highly popular show. Um, And, you know, you look at even like style, like, like, you know, I've seen a lot of the Euphoria-esque like pants and stuff, like coming out in workout wear where like they have the slits and stuff. And, you know, I'm lest we forget 13 Reasons Why and what happened with that show, you know? Do you know, do you know Peach PRC? Like, no. Uh, okay, she's like a s- Australian singer, and she has a couple million followers on TikTok. She's really funny, and she talks. Yeah. She posts a lot about like addiction issues and uh, mental health struggles. And she actually uh, went. She relapsed, and she went to rehab. And she posted a video saying, like, basically of her outside of an ambulance saying, "Maybe I, sh- I probably shouldn't have watched that episode of Euphoria after all." And like, it was meant as a joke, but like at the same time. And then there was a very interesting thread of discussions underneath where people were like yeah this show is very triggering in a way that people don't talk about enough and it's very sensationalized and like whatever it's hbo it's edgy tv like in some ways too i think the problem is the way society also then treats that type of content yeah like like sydney sweeney said that now her role in that show doesn't get taken seriously because of the nudity Versus her role in White Lotus, where she said, I get praise, people reward, like, I get rewarded. No one talks about my performance in Euphoria, which was incredible. That is so unfortunate. And to be honest with you, until we, like, lightly discuss this, I genuinely, until today, forgot that, like, I didn't realize, like, White Lotus and uh, they they were the same person. I really didn't. Yeah. Uh, But I think she just transforms into a different character. And I, I mean, it's such a shame because all those actors in euphoria are incredible. Um, and you know, I think it's just all rooted in misogyny that people are not going to take her seriously because of nudity. Um, but I think there's a lot of unnecessary nudity and like they're even like a lot of the like prosthetic dicks, like the guy sitting on the toilet in the first scene, like I didn't need to see that. What was the point of that? It's it's yeah. It's for the shock value. And, and then like, yeah, when it's like, we can go in circles of being like, you know, what is, what is the thought of what's motivating it? Cause they're not going to go and and tell us. And, but it, but it's just, I don't know. Like it's, it, it is very thought provoking. That's, that's what we definitely all agree on. It will continue to percolate. I hope we don't ever have to boycott it because I need to know what happens next but it might oh. be it might be come to that point yeah i mean well like i'm yeah i'm saying all this and i'm still watching and i can't wait for the <laughs> the finale that's out like you know um we're we're in the past you're in the future like it'll be out whatever it's Monday. you lucky people yeah you'll know what happens to fez which i'm like oh my god i'm so worried about him but anyway yeah it's not like oh my god can't, i'm not saying cancel euphoria but it's just whew, i really i have a different thought about it every other day 
And it's good that you're having these thoughts. It's good that we're talking about this because we should keep our eye on it. And again, I think it's a matter of if it starts harming someone on set or otherwise, then it needs to be reevaluated. Yeah. And also like they could cut, they could give me like a third of the nudity. Yeah. No. And I say that as someone who like, I'm like pro nudity, pro I'm pro nudity too, you know, but, but this it's just like, like God damn. I yeah. Like not wearing clothes more than they are, you know? Yeah. Do we need to see someone's dick getting shot off in the first, like, uh, the first, you know, few minutes of like episode one? No. <laughs> Is that necessary? Like that close up? No. But, never, but, yet, but yet here we are. Um, so speaking of sort of like layered nebulous topics, um, I want to move on to talk about Kanye West, or Ye, as he's now known, where to begin? So what we've all grown up with Kanye, you know, being kind of at the forefront of everything, music, fashion, like what, what was your relationship? Like, were you a fan or are you a fan? Like, yeah. You know, I always knew Kanye was like very controversial. I kind of like didn't have the best impression of him because I feel like he not only ruined like Taylor Swift's moment. And I, so a friend of mine and I were in high school when that happened and we went a block over from where that show was happening. And like Taylor waved to us and she was rolling up in the carriage and everything. Um, and we saw like a bunch of celebrities rolling up to that event. I think it was the VMAs. Um, and then yeah, there's a video that went around TikTok, but the next year when Beyonce won, she actually called Taylor up to the stage and let her give her speech finally. No, that was the, no, that was the same night. Was it the same night? Yeah, it was the same oh night. My God. See, I know because I made this, I got roasted uh, by the Swifties. I made a, actually a video where I was more sympathetic to Kanye and, yeah. oh, it did not go over well. <laughs> I have no sympathy for him. And you know why I have no sympathy for him is I understand he's going through a mental health crisis, but I can't tell you the number of people in my inbox who are like, I have bipolar. People suggesting that he can't control himself is an insult to like me. And like, I mean, I'm not talking one, I'm talking like, two hands of people. Right. And I, I think like he's just gone unchecked for so long and maybe he is having a mental health crisis, but somebody needs to take his phone away from him. Um, but what really upsets me with him is he's going after Kim for having a, a TikTok for North yet. He is promoting Marilyn Manson who has 15 allegations against him and has a documentary coming out about him on HBO. He's promoting him and giving him eyeballs and giving him viewers and giving him money. And that is what really sickens me. And someday his daughters are going to have to look and back. He hasn't even him. been, he hasn't even been around. No one's like promoted him in what feels like no. decades. Everyone knows like that this guy's bad news. And I mean, it's just like he, what he did was so atrocious and it's so triggering for victims to have to see somebody in the media. And like Kanye is just giving him a platform. Kanye, I think sees himself as like this godlike figure that gets to choose like, who's redeemed or who's not. And he's kind of doing that with like the baby and um, Marilyn. And I just, I don't like Kanye. I really don't. I got to yeah. say it. Well, I mean, I think that's sort of the predominant thought at this moment. It's what's what I've been really thinking about. So last week um, on the Patreon, we did a deep dive into Azalea Banks and it's really, it was really interesting because, you know, she's, the one of the first things she's known for is her feuds and her scandals. And we really were trying to situate the episode in like the context of it. So it's not just like, Oh, ha ha. Let's laugh at all her scandal. It's like, you know what? She has mental health issues that she's been very open about. And, um, and 
a lot of people have had feuds and controversies like and it really made me think about what labels stick to celebrities and why and like azalea like azalea banks the fact that she's a woman and a black woman like i really think that it's not like i'm signing off on like everything she's ever said but i do think that the way that she's cast aside has to has to do with that yeah and Kanye I mean yeah Kanye like I mean I just feel like the men that go through mental health crises get a much more generous sort of edit like and like being remembered by history and and then get celebrated when they kind of come out of it whereas female celebrities especially women of color like really just get that label stuck on them they're like oh you're crazy yeah you're I think you're absolutely right. Cause I, I even think like, remember when Kanye West had his presidential bid and he clearly was going through a crisis. And like, again, like what I said before, I don't mean to discount like the crisis that he's going through, but no, um, I do think that like, he has a whole team around him. He has all the money in the world to get help. Like there's so many people with mental health issues out there that don't have the, um, means that he has that don't have the resources that he has so he has everything that he needs to get the help that he needs to get back on track but when he gets back on track after he kind of goes off the rails it's exactly like what you said it's like he is celebrated and it's almost like all is forgiven and then I think it's like okay if some of the behavior is fueled by a mental health issue and then some of it is fueled by like maybe a personality disorder that causes him to be harmful and dangerous to the people around him um he doesn't ever have to have accountability for any of his actions. It's like, he just gets a clean slate because people get, get really, really touchy over the mental health issue. And it's like, well, yes. And he needs to be accountable for his behavior. You know, I mean, Azalea Banks has been just as open about her mental health and she makes great music and she's had, you know, said a lot of things that have pissed a lot of people off. Same as Kanye, but like, really like that she, she's just, um, like she doesn't get this like celebration and nope. it is this double standard. And like, you know, a lot of it comes down to to privilege and then it's like, okay, we're talking like men versus women. Then you go to like the, the white men that have had their issues. You look at army hammer. It's like the fact that he is working, that he has come back from his cannibalism scandal is like, my God, like just, I'm like, the- and they all have like a, you know, he has like a whole, like a, PR plan with the rehab and like the family man angle. And like, it's so interesting, but um, he's painted a completely different light and it's like around trauma and like addiction. Whereas like, I feel like Azalea Banks, it's like, Oh, you, you're, you have like some sort of schizoid thing going on and you're like completely unhinged and you're far beyond like any sort of help. And even like Amanda Bynes, like, I mean, like Amanda Bynes and Brittany and, you know, we've seen the way things have stuck to, people that basically just aren't white men and it's completely different than like, you know, somebody in that, in that sort of category, I think. So. Well, and it's like, like, I mean, you know, I've, I live on the internet. I read all the transcripts of all the like tweets and all the things they've said. Army hammer, his tweets that came out were one of the most disturbing things I've ever read in my life. Like, yeah. and, and they, and like, when I think about them, like, and when I really get into that place, like I, I genuinely wonder if he has killed and eaten someone. No, I <laughs> like, mean, I'm not, I'm not laughing because I'm nervous, but like, you know what I mean? No, I think a lot of people have those questions. I think that's why it went so viral because it was so like shocking. And like, you know, I think what I learned through 
reading about all this is like there's like this vor community of bdsm that i obviously like, eating people it's like talking it's like about it okay yeah it's like talking about cannibalism okay. i think so there's actually like a, a community of that and i didn't again like wouldn't have been my my search engine. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, no. I think I think Sam and I were texting. Like, I think we were trying to figure that out. What it was first coming. It's coming back to me. But <laughs> now, it, now we're all familiar with the Vor community. <laughs> well, it's fun. But it, what's interesting about it is, like, I think where it crosses the line and where it gets scary is, like, then people are coming out about, like, you know, allegations of non consent or being coerced or whatever, and then you have a whole different story of like, then it's like really predatory. Whereas if it was like two consenting adults doing something that they're into, like, I don't have any skin in the game. Like, I don't want to watch that, but like, you know, like, or know about it. Cause it's like very, just, dis- it is disturbing. Like I, I don't like, again, you and I are very similar in that we don't like horror movies. We don't like, I'm sure you don't like the sight of blood. I don't like to see blood. No. Um, I feel faint when I see blood. I had to get my blood taken last week. I hated it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I really don't want to know about any of that stuff. So when I saw that, I was like, well, and when the, when the oh, allegations yeah. first, when the allegations about Army Hammer first came out, I had people in my life um, that were like, oh, don't kink shame him. Like, it's so sad that he's being kink shamed. And I'm like, <laughs> look, okay, I'm very open minded. But first of all, he's getting with these like 21 year olds and he's in like in this position of power. And then um, if you're well, if you've had kids in the car at this point, you should not, this should not have happened. You should not, yeah, you should not have end up like the euphoria kids. You should just, t- t- yeah. <laughs> and, and even if they have headphones on, like don't listen to the next part, but like him talking about uh, cutting someone open and making love to their entrails in graphic. I was like, that is the mind of someone who should be stopped. And yet he is like this celebrity and he's getting with these like women that seem they're very young and very like impressionable and don't seem like they're in at an age where you can really like have a sense of self and fully stand up for yourself it's so concerning because yeah I'm making love to someone's entry I'm like trying to like gloss over I'm just like oh my god you know trails are like fucking them into like a vegetative state like yeah that stuff like that so creepy and I think it like it does scare you because it's like is this like a dark triad thing is this person like it just, it's scary. You know, it's, it's very scary. I just did a story like about, um, this guy who he had, he was in, um, he was in San Francisco and he had one golden retriever that had all these weird injuries that it passed away from. It was a puppy. The second golden retriever comes in with multiple injuries sustained over time. And like people from this guy's college reached out to me, but they realized that the guy was abusing the dog over time. And law enforcement takes that very seriously because, um, they see it as a precursor to harming humans. And so when you see certain things that have take to it more with, seriously like, than harming women, <laughs> like, seriously. Like, right. Like, like I know like, it's like, actually fuck. sick that like dog, well, I mean, listen, that we should all be, anyone being harmed by somebody should be taken so seriously. But yeah. Um, the thing is, you know, it, it's just to want to see somebody's entrails, to, 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 all those things were really disturbing. And, and just, it does make you wonder like, all right, what kind of brain do you have? I mean, I don't know if you're watching The Secrets of Playboy, but it was kind of like Hugh Hefner, like just women weren't enough and then men weren't enough. And then like he moved on to animals, like, which is yeah, sick. Oh, oh no, I haven't, I haven't watched it, but I'm not surprised in like the, the rumors that I've heard about him over the end, just like his general whole empire that he created. But it's like also, well, also with Army Hammer, like the texts were very persistent and you could tell even through texts, like the, the women were very uncomfortable and like, oh, that, haha, that's weird. Like, maybe and he's like 
pushing it and like, no, 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 no. Like, I want to eat your toe. I want to cut your toes off. Like, and, and it's just going on and on and on. It's like, this is, this is someone who needs to be stopped and him going to like some three week, like Caribbean rehab or whatever he did. Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like he's not, this is all for show. And he's just trying to get roles again. And it worked. <laughs> no, I know. Well, he has, so he had death on the Nile he has a new PR person who's doing like, you'll just see it's working weird. overtime. <laughs> well, they're, they, they have these weird stories come out. Like I noticed like, cause I have alerts on my Google for him. Um, and so, cause I'm like, what's he up to? Um, I have yeah. these weird stories like army hammer is really tall. Did you know that on like a random publication, but they're trying to put out these stories I think like, all the time to try to put other stories out there about him, but just pepper the internet with these like little stories on these little publications. And that's what they were doing with Chrissy Teigen. I guess that's the strat, like right after her like death threats thing came out, but that, I guess that's the strategy. It's like, um, Oh my God. I, they I saw her in real life at the Adam project premiere. It was Ryan Reynolds is in it. And Jennifer Garner came. Um, I have some, I have some tea on that. I'll tell you some tea. Cause it, you know, it's kind oh, of interesting. Like, sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> we don't well, want to get sued. <laughs> well, well, I just have a theory and it's, it's kind of a blind. So when, um, is this an off mic thing or can this be air? You can decide, you can decide how you feel about it. Okay. Um, okay. so basically like I was, you know, I was at the premiere and it was supposed to just be Ryan Reynolds. And then, uh, Jennifer Garner shows up last minute. I was like, Oh, cool. You know, I've seen her before. Lovely human. Ryan Reynolds seems like a lovely human and he's so funny and so handsome. It made me want to go to Canada and find his cousins and like marry somebody in his family because he's just so <laughs> handsome. Um, but, you know, I was, um, I was like, that's weird that Jennifer showed up last minute for the Q&A. Like these things are so planned out. But And Blake Lively wasn't there. She was doing stuff in New York. Well, back when Ben Affleck was filming The Town, there's a lot of photos of him and Blake looking very flirty while he was married to Jennifer Garner. And then there was that huge cloud leak in 2014 of all the celebrity photos. And there's a bunch of Blake Lively nudes in that leak. And allegedly she was sending them to Ben Affleck. And then Ben Affleck left his house with a black eye. That's what Beyond the Blinds Blinds says. They're they're on their podcast. I think they've they've talked about that. Well, a friend of mine messaged me about this. And then I put it all together. I was like, she probably found out last minute Blake wasn't coming. Then she probably was like, okay, I'll go. Oh my God. I don't know. Just a theory, but I was kind of like, Oh God. Like, wait, you know? I thought, wait, but what do you, what, do you think it has to do with the black? Did she sock him? Like, <laughs> you, uh, wait, what's that? Did you say he had a black eye or something came out of his? Um, well, some people said that Jennifer gave him the black eye because she, she, um, like punched him. I don't know. That's what I read online. It's all conjecture. If you put it in the podcast, I don't care, but yeah, whatever. No, we're just, yeah, no, no, we're just, we're, we're, we're like goofing around, but it is interesting to put two and two together. Although when you're living kind of hard and fast, like him, or you're kind of drinking every night, like that, <laughs> it could just as easily have come from him, like drunk, stumbling. Literally. Around. I, I mean, it totally could, but I saw, so Chrissy Teigen and John Legend cut us in the, the line for a photo. Um, and I have to say, like, I think like not to be like judging another woman's looks, but online Chrissy Teigen started looking a little wonky. Like I was like, is she doing too much work? Whatever. In real life, she's honestly so stunning, like stunningly beautiful. Um, and he really is very handsome man and she's tall. I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous woman. So 
David yeah. Dobrik was there too. Oh my god! And I was just like, oh my god, he's still at it, eh? He's like, he's uh, wow. has he has he been canceled? I feel like he's been like sort well, cancel culture is not real in my view, but he has been sort of pushed aside. He's not as popular as he once was. I mean, was, look I at think. the freaking Tinder swindler. He just made thirty thousand dollars in three days on Cameo. Oh my god. So. Like nobody is cancelable anymore. Like people will just like like you because you're canceled too. So and we you'll just have to love to an audience. And we just love to celebrate male mediocrity in my <laughs> for me. <laughs> just a title bad. Like we started talking about like Kanye West, but it's like it is just something that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of like um yeah, the the, the labels and who gets to keep working and yeah, we love to be like, ah <laughs> like some version of like boys will be boys but now like repackaged in like <laughs> modern like <laughs> psychology or like spiritual terms my take well, it's, it's very true but Kanye is you know the the unfortunate entertainment that keeps on giving I almost wish he would stop but you know I don't know if you saw Pete got back on Instagram for like a second and then Kanye posted about it today saying he chased Pete off Instagram yeah well he also um he also just came out like he played a, a song where he talked about how he needs to get security like pete needs to get security and it is frightening and it's it's interesting like i f- kind of feel like part of why i'm so dedicated to like talking about pop culture is to kind of like break down the illusion of like these people that we worship like i don't think we should be worshiping anyone and no. we're putting any of these people especially not <laughs> celebrities because they're out no one's really <laughs> they're all they all end up being like kind of bad apples or whatever they're just given um money too much money and 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 fame but with Kanye it's like I I think about there's this lyric from the life of Pablo where he's like name one genius who ain't crazy and I just think it's like we celebrate him for being this complete game changer and trailblazer and reward that but it's but then what do we then expect every person who has this kind of like completely out of the box like think grandiose thinking to then also be this even keeled at home quiet family man like it's just I don't know you you just you can't have it all and like him or not he has every every project he comes out with basically changes that industry is my I mean look at like what he's done for Gap and bringing on Balenciaga and like I mean it's it's incredible like um I I think that, you know, even, I wonder if people are going to buy that little machine that you have to listen to Donda on. Have you seen that? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like they're, they're like, not everything is like a hit, but I mean, even just like the fact the kids these days, they don't know. Like when he wore skinny jeans, that was like the most shocking thing that anyone could do at that point. Like he was the first kind of like got like rapper to be like wear like tight tight jeans and like really and he was made fun of so much I remember that I remember being in high school and be like whoa and 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 then it would just and then it took off with Yeezys for me it was like the emperor wears no clothes at first I was like you're putting out these like plastic beige like crocs that are nine hundred dollars but then it's like now everyone's wearing them and now I kind of want them like you know so he, he just he has that that ability but at the same time like yeah, he's not well. And it just sounds like bi- bipolar that's being untreated and stoked by, I don't know, his, his circle. Maybe. Having so many yes people around, but also I think just having, being in a culture of where he, when he's in a good state, like has never really had to truly take accountability 
um, for his actions, because at this point he has such help around him that he could have a team around him and an action plan for when he is in a manic state or whatever state he's in, that he could shut him be, be in a safe space where he wouldn't be inciting violence and harm towards yeah. the people in his life. Um, and I think what bothers me is like mental health or not the way he like sees Kim almost as like an object he's lost and he's throwing a tantrum. And then he's fighting for the marriage in such a public way that like, it, it seems almost like a spectacle. Um, and it's definitely not the way to win somebody back. And well, it's it, not, if someone's not yours to win back, like, yeah, they're, 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 yeah. And she's made it clear. I think she wants to move on. So, but it's funny that you say like this, that sort of like there, he is like the tastemaker. And I'm thinking like the next time you and I record together, we both going to have like Kim Kardashian, like long, um, <laughs> after I talked about how much I hated it on this episode and I'm going to be wearing the Balenciaga pants. We're going to have like pink vinyl gloves and like a Zorro mask and just be like, what? Like, <laughs> oh my God, you wear that too? Crazy. Like, <laughs> oh my God, like it did it, it cross the border, this the fashion from, from LA. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it is scary what's happening right now. And I'm the first person to come down really hard on the Kardashians about basically everything. Like I think <laughs> that they're like evil and Kris Jenner is the, the devil and it's delicate because I'm sure it's very scary for her right now. And okay, not condoning anything that is happening on Kanye's side, but I think that all the wrongdoings that they do on an ongoing basis are very hidden away and they're not going to say it out loud. Kanye's a very imperfect man, but he's very upfront. He, he, he says what he's thinking and he says who he is, whereas what, whatever the Kardashians are doing, they're never going to say what's actually going on. Which no, is- 100%. I mean, look at Chloe hiding, you know, the infidelities. And then you have the, the weird church that they're using as a tax write-off called California Community Church. And then you have Astroworld. Like, there's so many different things that have gone on within that family that, you know, I think that they're business first and that they all sort of corral around each other. And they, they're almost like, they almost just shut it down before it can become like a thing. And they're very good at playing with the media. And obviously they created a culture of curated paparazzi photos. I mean, these people are so good at controlling their image that I'm sure, again, this is going to be another thing where you and I, when we're like 70, we'll have to get back on the pod. And I'll be like, <laughs> No, I didn't know they were doing that behind the scenes. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we're really going to be like, wow. Like, yeah. You could tell me they've been like lizard people this whole time. And I'd be like, yep. I think probably, like, if I were to take a wild guess, this is just my opinion, not facts. Like, there's definitely some weird money laundering thing going on with all those giveaways. You know, the giveaways Uh, are such a, the giveaways, but I kind of feel like the giveaways are a troll and it's like a distraction from whatever else they're doing because they know it's so weird. And the scandals that they do that, we find out about are so bizarre the giveaways or like the i don't know if you saw how like kim was caught like photoshopping one of her neat like niece's head onto another it was like true's face onto stormy's face and posted it like that was weird someone who would do that is deranged and this has nothing to do with kanye like i'm not absolving anyone of anything that is chilling to me I can't explain it it's like what the fuck what is wrong with you that like what then what and also like what is the purpose and the fact it just shows how like weird and calculated they are but they're 20 steps ahead in a way that we almost can't even unravel 
No. And it, it's so weird because I, I just feel like Chris is this mastermind behind it all. And I'm like, where did she develop the savvy? It's like she invented it as she went. And now it's just like so insane, like the level at which they are managing the, everything, everything, especially public opinion of them. I mean, even Forbes having to retract the Kylie being a billionaire thing and then the potential forgery of documents to make her seem like a billionaire. It's like, it was really meaningful for them to call Kylie a billionaire. Like it was, there's just certain things in the family that like the image is so important to them. And then it's like, well, what's really going on underneath the surface, you know, because I've even heard allegations of them buying followers, you know, and having definitely bought followers. They've definitely. And that's an insane thing to do. You already have um, hundreds of millions of followers. Why do you need more? You need to have the most out of anyone. I got some insider tea recently that everyone's buying followers, basically like almost every celebrity, which I was like, oh, well, I guess. Yeah, that it's just a very standard practice. But I think the Kardashians take it much further. And I don't know, it's just it, it is just interesting when you have this situation where we basically know what Kanye's thinking as it's happening. He is broadcasting it for the world. And it's very scary. And then the Kardashians, like, who knows what they're up to, but we don't know. And that scares me in a, in a different way. And they're two different beasts, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're, um, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think that these will be families that like, again, like just like we're doing with the crown right now, I think someday like we're going to unpack it all and it's going to be like, uh, there's going to be series about it and like the real truth behind it. They are royal. They are the actual monarchy to me. Like they're the real royal family. Like in the- no, do you think? Um, do you think Chloe's really the same? Has the same father or no? No, no. Sorry. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. I'm so. I'm way too far gone. I'm unwell. Like I was like done. No. I'm like oh my god. Like, no. Uh, See, because I've always wondered like if that's just a wild rumor. If that's. I don't think so. I don't think he I don't think okay I'll, I'll, I'll scale scale back a little bit I don't think Robert Kardashian is her father and then people are like oh but on the show she took a DNA test I'm like what Chris Jenner gave a DNA test I don't trust that I think that kids are born and like you'll have a kid that doesn't look like their siblings so like I don't know yeah maybe that is her dad but it's just it's the fact that Chris admitted to infidelity around the time that she was conceived and she looks just like um, Alex Roldan, Chris's hairdresser at the time. I don't think it's OJ. I think it's uh, Alex Roldan. <laughs> yeah. See, that's kind of what my theory was. Cause I saw one picture of that guy and I said, Ooh, it looks yeah. an awful lot like Chloe. Yeah. I've gone back and forth because then I've seen people have made videos showing like OJ's kids and Chloe and they look very similar. I, I don't know. Chloe, uh chloe was screwed over (laughs) from from birth like even in chris's like autobiography she's like my kids were like gorgeous angels when they were born and like chloe was always different like she literally just wrote that word for word and she yeah oh my god i know it's horrible she listed off for all of her grandkids and she's like who am i missing who am i missing oh true she was on ellen you know yeah yeah and she said she also did a freudian slip on the show where she said she said this to Chloe because Chloe was talking about trouble she's going through. She's like, well, you're only as happy as your least favorite child. And Chloe's like, that's not a saying. She's like, yeah, it is. I think Maya Angelou said it. And she was like, no, it's you're only as happy as your least happy child. <laughs> not your least oh favorite child. She said, and then she was like, oh my God. Oh, just kidding. Like she caught herself. Oh I was like, oh my <laughs> God. I am actually deceased. Well, it's, 
it's funny because I think she really feels for Rob. And so Rob does not get that last spot. I think she feels terribly guilty about something with Rob and wants him to be okay. I think Chris, well, <laughs> uh, one day I'll write a book about <laughs> Chris, all the layers of Chris Jenner, but like um, she is very forgiving of men in her sphere. And that includes Scott. And that just like, she's just very, I don't know. She, she gives them these sort of allowances. And I think, she kind of babies Rob, she babies Scott, and then sort of like, oh, like tap on the wrist. And then Chloe's just like in the doghouse permanently. <laughs> in her, she in- really is, and she's the one that lives right next door to her, so. Yep. Oh my God. Okay. I will, so this is really interesting. So I posted about her basically like ranking her children recently and a social worker commented and said that in her experience, she found that the most traumatized child was the one who stayed at home the longest. And it was, it was this comment that has this whole thread of people being like, I want to throw up right now. And like, people have done response videos, like, and, and so many people were like, Oh my God, like completely struck by that. So is this, does that mean the youngest child or the one that like went back home? The, the most, she said the most traumatized child is the one who stays like with their parents the longest or like the most like wounded. And it's like, and it's not like, this is not a study. Like this is like someone's experiential observation, but, but it was, there was like a huge comment thread of of people being like, I, they're like, (laughs) yeah, like I, I am unwell. Like I need to go process. I need to book therapy. Like, and it's, it's almost like they're trying to, they like didn't get the childhood that they wanted and it's like my interpretation of it was that their whole they're trying to always recreate this childhood that they didn't get by being around their parents and always like trying to build that in their adult life like they're stuck in that cycle wow that is so interesting because chloe's house is right next she built it right next to chris's like she's the only child who's done that and she's the one who chris openly treats like shit the most this is blowing my mind. <laughs> it blew my mind too. I was like, oh my God. And like, and you're immediately relating it to Chloe. <laughs> well, no, but this was, this, this, this was about, this was a video about Chloe and it was a very short video and it was very lighthearted. Um, and this comment was made and everyone was like, everyone who saw people saw it, were just blown away. And I'm like, wow, things got real deep on this video about the Kardashians. Like no one was ready for this. Like, <laughs> like there were there were like two or three response videos and people just staring into the camera be like uh what uh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yeah that so. is actually wild to me I'm yeah. gonna sit and process that and think apply it to everyone I know yeah let's all go uh book ourselves in for some therapy after that no <laughs> it's it's yeah it's a very I'm like still kind of like turning over my mind it's very interesting um it is. well I guess <laughs> That seems like a good note to end on. Trauma, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We started with like, yeah, the trauma and the meaning of life. And I guess that's how we're ending it. It's very full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lauren, this was so much fun. Like, so much fun. I don't know. We just, I'm like... I'm like, where's the, when's the next flight to LA? Like, <laughs> I know I'm like, please, like I come to LA. I'm ready to go to Canada. And thank you so much for having me. Like you're just amazing. And I love everything that you do. And I'm so glad that I know another person that's like as interested in pop culture and also like spirituality and like 
isn't shameful about it. I knew that there was another strange puzzle piece out there like me. And I just, I found my, my, uh, totally found my match. Totally. Oh my God. I know. I know. Yes. There's others out there. Like, We're like gonna find them. yeah, yeah. So Lauren, where can people find you? So I am at the Zen Blonde on TikTok, Instagram, and anywhere you find podcasts. I just interviewed um, Todrick Hall's former assistant. We got lots of tea, so check it out. Yeah, messy, messy Todrick Hall. And you got like some real deep, I think it just came out today, right? It did. Yeah. This is former assistant and oh my gosh, I wasn't even ready for what I was going to hear. Okay, so he really like opened up to you. Yes, yes, very bravely. Okay, I can't wait to go listen. And you're on YouTube, just the Zen Blonde across the board. Yeah, that's where, anywhere you find me, I'm the Zen Blonde. Okay, amazing. All right, well, thank you. Yeah, that's our show today. Okay, Zen